Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast, your source for Seahawks information and shenanigans. I'm your host, Nathan Santo. I am joined, as always, by the Aquaman to my Batman. I don't know. I, I don't think I'm Batman at all, but Eric Ronnebeck, how you doing? Oh, all right. I, know you I didn't know where you were going to go. I know you love so Aquaman. That's, that's why I made uh, you Aquaman. I, I think it's funny enough to name my dog Aquaman. All right. And the Superman. <laughs> Kevin hates Superman. That's why I did that. I intentionally trolled Kevin. The Superman to our Batman and Aquaman. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin? You know, on the superhero theme, I think I know why we're a day late. We lost power because Eric has not uh, appeased the God of Thunder and seen Thor yet. So uh, we were without electricity Kevin yesterday. Is, Kevin oh. is cyborg now, officially. <laughs> I changed it. I changed it. Kevin is cyborg. I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Eric, you ready? Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's dig, talk about this game that took place a week a game, ago. Let's game again, dig, dig into a game that happened a week ago. A power outage stopped us from recording on our normal Tuesday. So now we're on Thursday. Eric, what were your thoughts about Seahawks Cardinals? Uh, what, what's your first takeaway? Way back when. Okay, so just quick hits on this game. I felt like this game was a convincing win. Uh, it was basically 22-10 until a garbage time touchdown, as Kevin would like to point out uh, before we recorded. Gabbard time. It's applicable. Gabbard time. Every time is Gabbard time. Uh, this this game, the victory came at great cost, though, with the loss of Richard Sherman for the rest of the season. Possibly might bleed into next season. Some people say he may no longer be a Seahawk, and I think that's hyperbole. But ultimately, this was a this was not a great game. I mean, I felt like we had some good plays, blah blah blah. But ultimately, it's overshadowed by the loss of Richard Sherman, in my opinion. Well, and Dwayne Brown's banged up. We lost Cam Chancellor to a stinger. Yeah, this was a rough game. Yeah, uh, Sheldon Richardson finally was was like medium healthy. And it felt like they. He felt like he he got he played good in this game, but I'm like scared that like just everything seems like it's it's on a razor's edge right now with all these. We're injuries. thin. We've got we've had, we've sustained a lot of injuries to players that we required to have. And there are some great things happening in this game. Like we got to see some Deion Jordan action. We got to see how deep our defensive line is. Still, we got some great linebacker play. Um, Jeremy Lane had to fill in for Richard Sherman, and. I don't really know how that's going to work going forward, or if we have uh, you know Byron Maxwell to look forward to. But either way, I felt like you know there was some admirable replacement efforts. Uh, Russell Wilson had some time in this game. Russell Wilson had some plays in this game. But I don't know, man. It's it, my hope for this season is going down fast. It's it's worrying when so many guys are are hurt. You know, it's like so many guys seem to be dinged up at what point is it is it like one too many does that make sense like doug's hurt uh it's, it's just like yeah we haven't lost russ yet we haven't lost earl you know we haven't but lost we're convinced the, that russ is nursing an injury yeah we i am convinced he has some kind of shoulder thing or he's gonna he's gonna get off, that that off-season surgery that uh that little cleanup that cam got last season right where it's like wait cam had an ankle problem all season like you just like we're like what you know you just didn't know he they they hit it kind of well i yep. think they're doing the same thing with russ russ just sails a throw every once in a while and his throwing motion just it looks off but that being said he's having a fantastic season i think if it wasn't for Bre- breeze is doing in new orleans and and what wentz is doing in philadelphia he's probably number three for mvp right now it's it's he's right in the mix yes that, that bad loss at home against uh washington is is kind of killing him but if you turn that to a win, I think he'd be in the driver's seat. So that's that's kind of a, an amazing thing that's happening with the Seahawks. But we haven't lost the heart. You know, the heart, the beating heart of our offense is still there. The beating heart of our defense is still there. 
as long as Bobby, Earl, and Russell stay healthy, like this team's going to be competitive all the way to the end. Well, and I feel like with the Russell in the Russell Wilson situation, seeing how our offensive line is playing, and although there's some improvement there that we were hoping we'd see and we actually are seeing, it's still not an offensive line and an offensive line he's had to work around for most of the season. And uh, the complete lack of not only a running game, but running backs on our roster. I mean, talk about injury. Uh, that's what that's what's so impressive about Russ to me. Well, let's dive into the offense. Let's go ahead and start there this week. Uh, you know, we talked about Russ. Russ had a pretty solid game, 238 yards, uh, had a couple of touchdowns. Um, you know, we did my least favorite thing, which is we decided we just weren't going to run the football. Um, it, it just, I don't know. We didn't have success running the football, but we also didn't have a lot of commitment. We ended up with 18 carries. Uh, McKissick, 18, McKissick had a perfect McKissick day. 18 running back carries is actually quite a few. Nice job, Thomas Rawls, getting 23 of your 27 yards all in one play. He had a couple of decent runs. It's just there's too many runs that get stopped in the backfield. Right. That's, That's the, a big problem. The amount of stuffs that Arizona had in this game was was embarrassingly high. And stuff. Tobin could not handle it. When Tobin came in, we lost all run blocking on the left side. Uh, Posich is pretty easy to stand up and walk back. But, and when we had Tobin in there, that left side, we just couldn't but run But it's there. not just Tobin's fault when Carlos Dansby's in the backfield over and over. No, that's yeah. absolutely right. Like uh, the, the, Carlos Dansby had a fantastic game just stuffing the run for Arizona. And, and that that's kind of, kind of stuff that you that's scheme. Those are scheme issues when a linebacker is just stuffing runs in the backfield. Oh, yeah. S- something's wrong with the blocking scheme. Well, and Buffet, uh, Pierre, Reddick, and Jones accounted for five of the six, my God, six sacks that they got against us. Or, excuse me, uh, four of the five sacks. Right, and those are either scheme sacks or coverage sacks. Like and if you look at a way a lot of those sacks worked, it was a delayed blitzer. And we just never really did anything to counter that. So you had a linebacker or a defensive back coming in just a hair after, and we just never accounted I for I was going to say, you said delay, and I was like, were they delays, Kevin? I mean, granted, it took, it took place we're a week like ago. We're talking like one or two Mississippis. Yeah, it wasn't like uh, Bobby Wagner's delay. No, no, no it wasn't a Bobby ago. Wagner. I, I'm not yeah. spying anymore. I'm chasing you down. It was just did not come right away. was not an obvious blitz, and there was no adjustment. None. All right. So... Sorry, I have a kind of a stuffy nose, so I keep having to like clear it out. Uh, so I don't want to talk about this game too much. I felt like it was boring, and Thursday night games are weird. We did a really good job stuffing the run. Uh, 20, Adrian Peterson, 20, they gave Adrian Peterson the rock 21 times. He got 29 yards. His longest run was 9 yards. Uh, Kevin, what? Uh, Sheldon Richardson had a fantastic game. I know that. I was watching him closely to see how he performed with the injury. Who else was awesome at helping us stop the run? Naz Jones had himself a game again. That guy's just all over the place. Naz Jones has shown himself to be a complete defensive player. He's like rookie of the year for us. He's I I feel like he's earned that. Really, really good player. Um, as far as other rush stops, uh, yeah, Bobby and KJ did Bobby and KJ things. I was, was going to say I'm trying to lead you into into me eat, making me eat crow on KJ Wright again. He was KJ fantastic Wright, in this game. Um, yeah, he had four run stops up the middle. Uh, Cam. Cam played, Cam, good Cam played and, really and well. The line. Well, and Cam was in on that uh, safety too. That was Cam, Naz, Jones, and KJ made that safety happen. Well, he, you know, they just saw a little bit of a space, and they all knifed in, and there was just nowhere for AP to go. Yeah, Cam, AP had a miserable day. Yes, Cam did. had four defensive stops, which is like incredible for a safety. Yep. That, that's a that's a that's one hell of a game for a safety. We were clearly linebacking. He with still him. got a ninety-one point five overall grade, even though he allowed that touchdown in the end zone. Uh, the touchdown. So, like, that that just tells you, like, how strong of a game he had. Um, 
yeah, Sheldon Richardson is proving he was worth every bit of whatever we gave up to get it, to get him. Well, and also Michael Wilhoyd only played nineteen percent of snaps. Thanks. We clearly and thankfully are going third linebacker. Eh, we got a cam for that. Yeah, Delano Hill played twelve percent of snaps too, which means that there's extra snaps to go around now for like extra safeties, extra other guys that can play. And, and McDougal played a hundred percent of snaps, uh, and I thought looked pretty good again. Yeah, he's, uh, he looks like a solid player. I feel like the more day, he plays, the better he's going the, to be for us. The 10 days off are going to help Earl. Earl should be back after that. But Bradley McDougal is is a serviceable backup. He he can do 90% of the job. Nah, that, that's, that's too generous. He, he can, can do 80%, 80% of, the of the job and 100% of a regular job. Right, and he's he's as good as any other starting free safety. He's better than average, right? He's a good, yeah. he's a good starting free safety in the NFL. Uh, I think we bought ourselves the... I think with McDougal, what we paid for was... Cam and Earl, we don't want them to be hurt when we get to the playoffs. We want them to be fully healthy. And I wouldn't be surprised if they give Earl an extra week off. Like, if they're like, you know what, after the 10 days, if he feels tender or isn't feeling great, push him back another week. The word is is that he is not going to play as of right now. Yeah, and I I believe it. I think that they'll push that off as long as they can because McDougal's good. Who cares? We don't need to play. They have that luxury. Yeah, exactly. We have the luxury of, um, of doing this. Uh, Dwight Freeney continues to be ageless. I don't like that we played him on 51% of snaps because that's deadly in the run game. But Frank Clark was banged up. He only played 38% of snaps. Uh, Deion Jordan yeah, looked once, good. He looked dominant at times. If this D-line gets healthy, uh, Deion Jordan, wow. He, uh, he's real. Like he's a re- he, he showed those skills that made him such an impressive uh, player coming out of the draft. When uh, he put Wetzel on his butt... For that sack, <laughs> that, that sack was, was a good one. an amazing play. You he looked, only played 18 snaps and he had five pressures, Kevin. Yeah, that's two nuts. Hits, two hurries and a sack. Go back and watch the tape, too. He dumps Wetzel so hard that in front of he just uh, uh, tens of thousands of people, the dude has to like adjust and rub his butt like he fell off an ATV. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he, like, he was in pain. It was he overwhelmed him. Like, yes. it was like it was like watching a, a. And the thing is, people might say, "Oh, it was just John Wetzel." Like John Wetzel's not that good. John Wetzel's having a bad season. Uh, John Wetzel, you know, is like one of the worst tackles in the NFL. And I agree with all those things. But quality players overwhelm bad players, and it was nice to see a player come in and just overwhelm someone. Yeah, right? Deion Jordan looked like a like a like a starting tier strong. Pro Bowl contending defensive end. He looked end of this like game. what he was supposed to be drafted as. Yes, right. Yeah. And it, I mean, even if it doesn't pan out, even if like Deion Jordan is at best a rotation end, he proved that he can be that. Yes, like this is the kind of game he needed to have. If he's like, hey, you know what, I can be a rotation defensive end in the league. This is why that we kept him. Is that I think that that we saw flashes of this in camp. And because this is it, the kind of gamble that this team needs to take. And when. And it's the kind of thing I've been saying for years is that this team needs to sign guys that are a little bit of reclamation projects. Guys who maybe got cast off by other teams because we can't afford to just pay dudes anymore. We're out of salary cap for that. So now we have to try to find either we got to get lucky drafting late or we need to uh, do this. So, yeah, I'm really, really happy with uh, really, really happy with with this performance. Yeah. Deion Jordan, just uh, dominant game, really. Uh, For how little he played, he made a big impact. Um, So... Offense was kind of all over the place. Uh, defense was stout. Defense smothered the run. This is an excellent run-defending Seahawks team. 
it doesn't seem to matter what happens as far as people going out. You know, we gave up a couple of big runs early in the year, but man, we are crushing people. Well, it's not like we stock. Ah, not like we stack the box against the Cardinals either. <clears throat> we're getting pressure with four. We're getting stops with our linebackers when they need to come in. I like that the Cardinals still ran Adrian Peterson a lot. Yeah, twenty-one times. For 29 yards. And that's what's great. It's because they did give up. So you can't say, like, we shut down Adrian Peterson in all 13 of his runs. No. Like, they kept trying to hammer him. And at times it was like, oh, is he going to break out? No. No, we're going to keep containing him. And I thought that was really good for our defense. It, it established us around this league as a dominant run-passing team, which we've always been. But it's good to see against, you know, a resurgent Adrian Peterson. Final thoughts. Uh, Cardinals, Cardinals, Seahawks. Anything else? Anything we need to hit? Uh, let's let's give a little credit. Blair Walsh uh, hitting some hitting some Redemption field goals. Song. Yeah, just honestly, like getting back on the horse. That was something I wanted to point out as a little be, thumbs up to him. I'll be honest. Uh, I it frustrates me though that even one game of this season was decided by him. Does yep. that make oh, sense? Yeah. Uh, uh, going a, back, I want to say that you said that was going to happen though, Nathan. I mean, I, I don't know who it was. I said he'd be fine, but there's a chance he might cost us a game. He's a league average kicker. The, the cool thing is we, we have $2 extra million in cap space because of it. And what that leads to is a situation like what happened this week where we get to bring back Byron Maxwell. Oh, guy, one more before we go into that. Yeah. I did have one more point. Okay. 12 penalties for 108 yards. Yeah. That um, sucks. There needs to be. That there, needs to be clamped down on. There needs That's, to be. Cons- there's no excuse. There needs to be some consequences. If you come in and you get a, a shitty penalty, uh, then you should have to – you should sit. I'm just tired of it. There seems like there's no accountability on this team or it's, something's wrong. It seems oh. to be the same people too. And safety valve Nick Vanette. I'm liking that. He caught two passes for 22 yards. It's good to see Vanette getting a role in this offense. Yeah, I agree. All right. So uh, on to uh, moves during the week. So Sorry. So back to my point. $2 million saved on our kicker leads to us being able to do something like this, where in the middle of the season, we can add guys. We can hold on to Deion Jordan, which we saw the effects of that this week. Yep. And we can add guys like what, what we added this week, which yeah. is we Byron added, Maxwell, we added Byron Maxwell back. Um, Byron Maxwell. Okay. Obviously, he's had a, uh, a rough couple years. Ever since he left Seattle. Left the uh, Legion of Bosom. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, kid. Uh, I we di- we didn't bring him back at the beginning of the year, which I think says something because we did bring in other cornerbacks. Uh, we did not. I got Tremaine Brock. He's not going to be as good. Don't talk about Tremaine Brock. <laughs> I could, yeah, Kevin I would, really brought I the would, room down. I would, I would kill for some Tremaine Brock on this team uh, right now, and he hasn't even been good this year. Nope. He has barely played. Like, he's, he's been very Jeremy Lane. They, they buried Tremaine Brock in on uh, in after Minnesota. that first good game. Yeah, they were just like, "Yeah, we don't need you, so just just chill out, dog." Um, but, <laughs> but I don't really care. Like, here's my thing. Uh, he, we know what Byron Maxwell can be in this offense. He's 29 years old. It's not like he's some washed up old man. He's not Brandon Browner. No, you know? he has the size. He still has some speed. He has some agility. And he knows the game. He knows our defensive scheme. Our defensive scheme hasn't really changed. He knows his role in the defense. Well, let's face it. Playing opposite Richard Sherman got him the big contract in Philadelphia, which he did not live up to in Philadelphia. I think playing behind Earl Thomas got him the big contract. This is true, but he was picked on quite a bit. He was picked on quite a bit, and he, and he held up. He but held he always up. Had I know he had Earl, help. but... 
he's he's probably not going to have that here. Um, you know, Earl's going to have to split time between the sides. It's uh, I like this signing, but I I want to be clear that I feel like we have two of the same corners in Jeremy Lane and Byron Maxwell. And for everything that we've talked about, Shaq Griffin, you know, really stepping up this year. He's still a rookie. He still doesn't play the ball perfectly. He still gives up bad plays. We are in for a long haul in our passing game, in our in our pass defense. Yeah, I love Shaq Griffin, but he makes rookie mistakes. Nate was talking about this earlier, um, the adjustment on the pass and the loss to the uh, to Washington. Yeah, on the Doxon play where he just all he needs to do is turn Doxon inside and then push him towards the safety, but he can't do it. He doesn't have the the mental awareness or the ability, one or the other. But he's just he loses the play and then it totally just gets away from him. That's that next level that he needs to reach. Right now, he's an average corner, which is admirable for a rookie. Like uh, I would bet if we looked up uh, PFF, his rating is somewhere around a seventy. Um, but. Uh, penalties might have dropped that a little bit, but he plays like that, you know. But you can see the potential in him, you know. Uh, he played in the AAC um, in college. He was not playing the top of the top athletic receivers. Kevin, he is a seventy-five, which is the exact average rating. Yeah, there I go. got there. You nailed it. Got there. Um, so uh, he's he's fine. You could tell he was used to being able to out out athletic the receiver, mm-hmm. which he could in college, but. You know, if you're an NFL receiver, you're really athletic and you're crafty. And when he got and beat, when he, he got gets beat, beat sometimes. When he got beat on that route, uh, he he like he like thought he could just run with the guy and he couldn't. Yep. The Dachshund was was a step faster than him, and he, you could tell he just he didn't he didn't really know how to react to that. And you could tell he's just not used to a quarterback being able to drop it like that. And Cousins just put it on his receiver and. I think that was one of those kind of welcome to the league rookie kind of moments where he's like, oh, man, like I, I, I can't just rely on being the fastest. Where do you find uh, Byron Maxwell fitting into this defense? Um, he will be starting at left cornerback in two weeks, in my in my estimation. I don't think this team's going to want to roll Justin Justin Coleman and Jeremy Lane out there a bunch of times. I fit. Don't, I don't think that they think that's a very good idea. I agree. Coleman gets picked on on the outside. He is a pure slot corner. I'd rather have Lane on the outside and Coleman on the inside instead of making an extra hole by moving Coleman out. So uh, I would probably expect to see Coleman on the uh, Coleman playing slot and um, uh, Lane on the outside for this game and then Maxwell next week. I think Nate's got that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I, he knows the system. There's going to be no adjustment. If, if there's an adjustment, it's because he's out of shape. That's the only thing I could see happening is that the, that Maxwell's out of shape. They need they need to beat him into game shape a little bit. Um, all right. Is that anything now? Do you want to, you guys ready to move on to Seahawks Monday Night Football? I think the we Atlanta, should. I was born ready to move on. Atlanta Falcons. All right. Let's. So Seattle has ten days off. They get to head back home to face the Atlanta Falcons in our stadium as three point favorites. Uh, Seattle is ranked in, actually, this is surprising to me. They are ranked, uh, 11th in DVOA, uh, positive 10 point, uh, 10.9% are, uh, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong one. That's, that is my bad y'all. We're 11th positive 10.9 though. <laughs> I got that part right. 14th in offense, 7th in defense. We face the Atlanta Falcons who are 16th. 
10th in uh, offense and 24th in defense. Last week, Atlanta had great success in the pass rush. Kevin, can you explain what happened there? Why why we saw the 24th ranked defense have such a day? Uh, yeah, it's because Jason Garrett's an idiot. Um, so Dallas has an extremely good left tackle who was injured. And so they had a guy named Chaz Green out there at left tackle. And he could not block Adrian Claiborne to save his life. And you know, Jason Garrett's answer was, uh, "Are you gonna Are you gonna have the running back chip? No. Are you gonna put a tight end on that? No. What are you gonna do? I'm just gonna let Dak Prescott get hit on every single play. Yeah, let's, uh, get da- let's let Dak Prescott get blindsided over and over. That Adrian was Claiborne had more sacks last week than in the previous two seasons combined. Gonna get that Roger Goodell money. Yeah, this was uh, <laughs> this was uh, this was. Just a really, really a case of a head coach going. You know, I'm just gonna keep uh, keep running my player's head into that brick wall until he breaks through. Just can someone sign Gus Ferrat? <laughs> uh, Gus Ferrat. Gus Ferrat. Where um, where are you guys standing on their running game? They're not gonna have Devonta Freeman. They will have Tevin Coleman, who's a very good back. Who's not a physical runner, though. No, but he's uh, I don't, well, he's you, a good back, but he's not as physical. It's as Freeman. funny with uh, Atlanta, though. They have two decent backs. They're not change of pace backs. They're Freeman's a really good back, and I think he's I think he's a uh, a more physical he, and between the tackles runner than Coleman. He is, but that's not what defines him. Like they're he's well, they're both pass catching threats. Yeah, yeah exactly. And uh, I feel like. We will have our hands full with Julio Jones a little bit. Uh, not that you know Richard Sherman shut him down completely, but I would expect Julio to have a big game. I don't. I feel good about this game, but I don't want to just gloss over like, oh, you know, it's going to be fine. Julio's going to get shut down. Like we are without Richard Sherman going forward, and Julio Jones. This is why you have Richard Sherman. You know, he plays the mental game. He plays the physical game where he can shut you down. Uh, Julio moves all over the field. He is a deep threat. I expect. Uh, if it's not Earl, um, McDougal to be very busy in this game. Uh, where do you guys stand on that? I mean, I imagine you would agree. Julio Jones has not been the same this year. He has dropped passes that normally he wouldn't have dropped. That drop in the end zone was ugly. Too funny, though. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know. Maybe Julio, maybe there's a Super Bowl hangover. Maybe Sarkeesian doesn't know how to use him. Maybe Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan is just straight up missing dudes all the time. Uh, you know we've we've talked about Matt Ryan before in in fantasy between the three of us and how he's not a quarterback you trust. And last year, Matt Ryan had a an MVP season. He was great. He was awesome. This year, uh, I believe a friend of the podcast, Brett Hancock, said it's a regression to the mean of what Matt Ryan is and always has been. And that's how what he that's what he looks like. I'd almost consider it more of a counterbalancing. Like if he had his if he had his perfection season. This is what his floor looks like. That's that's still a pretty good floor, but yeah, he doesn't yeah. look great. Uh, Muhammad Sanu, uh, Nathan's favorite receiver in the NFL. I just think he's a great possession receiver, and he's very underrated. Yeah, he is really good. I If I say Julio's going to have a big game, I'd say it's one or the other, Sanu or Julio. I would be more... I would be... Not shocked if Sanu got nine catches in this game because last game we put, faced a very good possession receiver who plays in the slot and does his work in the slot, 
and he got 10 catches. And, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald is better than Muhammad Sanu. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think the delta between those two guys is as far. And the quarterback play of Matt Ryan is going to make up some of that difference, right? Even if he is, even if I am down on Matt Ryan and he's missing passes a bit, he's still better than Drew Stanton. He's yeah, much better than Drew Stanton. I think bat whatever Matt Ryan is this year is still maybe the tenth best quarterback. So you're talking about like the tenth to twelfth best quarterback yeah. versus like the thirtieth to thirty fifth best yeah, quarterback. Stanton is much worse than that. So I don't. I'm not crazy about the way Atlanta's playing, like the plus 18-point differential, the fact that they lost home games to the Bills and Dolphins. But, I mean, they've done impressive things this year. Like, they beat the Packers at home when they had Matt Ryan, you know? They went on the Aaron road Rogers, when Detroit mean? was on... Or, sorry, Aaron Rodgers, sorry. They went on the road to Detroit when Detroit was on fire and played really good. They Last week, they, they shut down the Cowboys. Like, their defense looked great, and their offense played good. So, yeah, on some levels, like, I'm down on Atlanta, but they're not that bad you can't overlook them yeah, they are you, not a bad if team. you take a this pass is a playoff this team, team. The, 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 unfortunately the Seahawks aren't going to take a pass with 10 days off they're going to be ready for Atlanta they better be um I think that a big question is if Earl Thomas plays I feel a lot better um I think somebody that we haven't talked about that we need to think about is Austin Hooper Austin Hooper is a solid decently athletic pass catching tight end and Cam Chancellor without Earl Thomas is forced to play differently. If you look, um, Jermaine Gresham had himself a decent day, 64 yards. We've been exploited a bit. He had a by, touchdown. He did. Um, we've been exploited a bit by tight ends the last couple weeks without Earl, and that's because we're requiring Cam to play differently. When Cam can just take over the tight end coverage duties, that is a beautiful thing for this the, defense. I, I mean... In this 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 year, we are eighth in the league against tight ends. I think, I but we were this. like sec- second, and we're second against running backs. And we murder, we murder slot corners. Second in the league, like Justin Coleman has. Justin Coleman in the slot has been very good. He's been yeah. a revelation in the slot. I I've been very surprised. It's when he gets pushed to the outside, he, he gets victimized. He gets victimized. He's too small. Like he's just. He's not ready for that. That's not his job. He also doesn't have the open field speed. He more has that quickness you want in the slot corner. He can keep up with your moves. Our biggest problem is that we give our number one and number two receivers can get big plays on us. And I think with Coleman being forced outside, I think that the middle of the field is going to be open. Kevin's right. The middle of the field is going to open up a little bit for slot receivers and tight ends. And this team has those, right? They have Sanu. Yeah, they have, they have Taylor Gabriel, they have who's Taylor quick Gabriel. in the middle. Um, they have Tevin Coleman, who's a good pass-catching running back, uh, though I, I trust KJ to do something about him. I think that this is going to be a really interesting matchup. Um, if Earl's back, I still like our defense more than I like their offense. Well, what if he's not back? Because the, the early word right now is that Earl is not expected to play. If Earl Thomas is out, I think that's enough of a difference that if uh, then it comes down to pass rush. Can our pass rush victimize their offensive line? If no, I worry. Can we talk if about? Yes, I don't. But I think we're going to shut their run game down. I don't think that. I think their run game is going to look ugly this week. That'll be good for us. Uh, can we talk about the defense for the Falcons? I don't want to neglect their defense, uh, mainly because I don't really know how good or bad their defense is this year. That's one thing I I don't know anything about. Uh, their defense is not that great. Um, they're fast, but uh, they're okay against the pass they really struggle against the run they especially have trouble um like they're not very good at run stuffing 
I <laughs> that doesn't affect us, Kevin. <laughs> right, but if we can, like, if we have a healthy offensive line, they're saying Luke Jokel might be back. If we have Jokel and Brown back, then we should be able to move the ball between the tackles pretty well. We should be able to establish probably our best run game in the last five weeks. One for alls can get three yards of carry. I'm not talking average. I'm just talking about as he goes. If he can not break out for a 27-yard run and get stuffed, you know, 15 other times. I think if, you might see like 15 carries for over 50 yards. That'd be great. And, and then, mix Procise uh, in. And McKissick, yeah. I'm sorry, McKissick, not Procise. Procise is on rest, IR. Rest in peace, Procise. Um, uh, we'll see if Mike Davis gets some carries. I could. I, I would not be surprised about that. I'm not, a, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to like run that McKissick train, but I really like when we run him off uh off tackle uh yeah four, four or five up the times yeah it's it's a nice change and i feel like that's what he can do he had five carries for 26 yards and uh four catches on five targets yeah. i feel like that is a really good workload that's... i feel like if he's uh seeing the ball around eight times that is using him perfectly in our offense yeah um all right well we talked about kind of our offense, our defense. What what are you what are you expecting to see in uh, in this game? Can we run the ball on these guys, Kevin? Like, did you uh, did you just talk about that? And I wasn't paying attention because I'm yep. trying to deal with this Patreon issue. <laughs> That's exactly full, what just happened. Full, full disclosure: I am uh, really struggling to get the uh, the Patreon exclusive podcast posted. So, uh, sorry in advance. Uh, I'm just like trying to get it done because I don't want to stay up all night doing it. Um, maybe it's going to get posted tomorrow. How about that? All right, uh, then are we ready for picks then? Or I think so. Yeah, I think we are. It's going to be a it's short. It's going to be a bit of a short podcast, but it makes sense. It's you know, it's been a week. We've had a chance to digest the game. Yeah, and I'll be honest. Like it was it's an really, ugly game. There's not it's a lot really, to talk about. Can their offense score enough? Is is the question I ask mm-hmm. when I think about this game? Their offense is good. I, their defense is not. Their their team defense is uh, it's it's just it's it's disappointing. Especially their run defense. Their run defense is um, one of the worst in the league. They they just they are and I don't think that they're going to be good like they're they're thirtieth in the league against number two wide receivers like look for Paul Richardson to just go crazy in this game they're number twenty one against tight ends Jimmy Graham we are finally using him well in the offense right so yeah the red zone targets he's been getting have been perfect yeah, I like those a lot Atlanta Atlanta just doesn't have a good defense at all like they they're they're bad against the pass and worse against the run like that's that's all I have to say about that so yeah I just worry about uh, is Vic Beasley still healthy. Uh, it'd be Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley. It's a one-trick pony. I, I, but if Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley can victimize uh, Jermaine Effetti, I'd worry about that being a problem. Part of the problem for me is that, yeah, I, I think I, I don't think very highly of Vic Beasley. He's a one-trick pony. I think any good team can scheme against him. N- maybe not our offensive line coach, though. Yep, <laughs> I've lost faith that that's a thing he's capable of doing. I want to see Vanette line up next to Effetti all day. Yeah. Let's see that. Or if not, then I want to see Rawls come up and hit right behind Effetti because he needs help. This might be the first game we get to see Dwayne Brown and uh, and New Luke Jokel play together. That's going to be kind of cool. Yeah. If, they, if, they, if both of them are healthy. You know, the, both of them are kind of 75-25. It seems like they're both trending towards playing. But if, you know, either of them ends out, that's going to be Do we know but what's up with Dwayne Brown exactly? Ankle. Ankle. Okay. Ankle, but not a bad one. Uh, like if they hold him out, it's because they they just want to make sure he's health, fully healthy before he comes back. And if that happens, I think we're seeing Odiombo because Odiombo's gotten healthy in. Yeah, Odiombo actually. I'd rather his, see Odiombo than Tobin. In his yes. last game, I, I thought Odiombo was decent. You know, he's he's a functional player. 
He's 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 a rotation tackle. Honestly, this is the moment using you want him for. to fill in for one game is what he should be used for. That's mm-hmm. Odiambo's destiny is being that guy, and that's a good career. He, I want him to play six year six to ten years in the NFL, cut out a good existence as a guy who plays backup tackle for the Seahawks. Like that's perfectly fine. Uh, it's when he was starting at left tackle that was very worrying. Oh, he's, you know, he's the third-year player. Like Maybe he develops. I'm not willing to give up totally, especially with how little I think of our offensive line coaching staff. Uh, all right, I'm going to go to picks. I'm gonna, oh, wait, one more one more stat that I thought was really cool this week. Uh, they uh, Pro Football Focus posted best three best highest completion percentage when using three-step drops. At, avid listeners of the podcast know that one of Nathan's rants this year is Wilson and the offensive coordinator play calling have been leaving are bad tackles out to dry by doing too many five-step drops. Yep. Well, when Wilson does a three-step drop, he's second in the league at 78.3%. Okay, Drew Brees is first, 91.2%. And that bucks a lot of trends because people said, oh, these guys can't do three-step drops. They're too short. Okay, that Numbers never lie. Okay, They're not too short. <laughs> the end. That's it. You know what's better than being tall? Being really good at football. Yeah, New Orleans is awesome, man. I'm so glad that I had them in the playoff. I'm just going to keep banging that drum because I'm just like, it's one. It's not often I get one right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm really into Pittsburgh and Minnesota and New Orleans before the season starts, and they're all good. Kevin's really into Jacksonville. They turned out to be pretty good. So, like, we, we, we had some, uh, some nice sleeper hits this year. All right, I'm going to pick the Seahawks to win this game by seven. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to give a score. <laughs> Seven, wow. and, and there's a gradient scale of how I think it could go. I just think we win by seven. I think we could score a lot or, or not at all. There's, there's kind of a, a wide range of Do you want to do the old best case, worst case? Okay, I can do that. The worst case scenario is Atlanta's offense plays really good, and the Seahawks just can't quite keep up, and we lose like a, a real banger, like 38-34. Um, kind of like the Houston game, but we don't come out on top. Uh, the best case scenario is that the Seahawks are able to shut down Atlanta's offense. The struggles, Matt Ryan continues to struggle to connect with Julio Jones. Um, this this running back injury actually screws Atlanta over. Tevin Coleman is uh, is not able to carry like the full load, and they only score like ten points on the way to a Seahawks twenty four ten win, something like that. All right, uh, Eric, what do you got? Forecast calls for rain, and although it's still a few days away, it's the rainy season here in Seattle. If that happens, I think it's going to be a lower scoring game, not in the teens or anything, but. With that, I'm saying 27, you know, let's go weird, 27-22 Seahawks. <laughs> yeah, I didn't like the 21, and I didn't like the 20. You know what's weird? This is where it gets really weird. Ooh. So I think that this is going to be a game where um, maybe Seattle's, uh, you know, Seattle struggles in the first quarter, Atlanta scores early, you start worrying, maybe like Atlanta's up 10-3. You, you know, know we're going to struggle in the first half, uh, Kevin. Seattle gets that field goal, maybe a touchdown right before halftime. It's a close game. Uh, you know, maybe Seattle gets the kick in the third quarter, and we just have one of those like really rip roaring third quarters where we have like you know two touchdowns and a field goal, and we don't let their offense get anything going. And so the team's up, and so it's like twenty six fourteen or twenty six seventeen. And they drive the field and get a fourth quarter score. And we're sitting there going, crap. And then they just stall out. Our defensive line's too much. You know, uh, there's pressure up the gut. They can't run the ball. You know, uh, maybe Clark gets one of those game ceiling sacks. I went 26 20. Nice. Seahawks. All right. So that, as they say, is. 
that. I don't have anything else. Um, Seahawks. Seahawks going to take it down. All right, we're going to make it a 35-minute podcast, guys. No, I'm just kidding. That would disappoint our, our loyal legion of um, 10 to 400 fans. Can't tell really tell how many people are actually listening. Yo, we're, we're a true Seahawks podcast. Sometimes that time of possession, it can waver. Yeah, so anyway, as mad as I am about this Patreon thing, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to power through. I've not thought about what movie I was going to do because I've been dealing with this stupid Patreon thing. I'm very angry about this Patreon thing, but you know what? I'm going to make it happen because I care about our loyal patrons. Kevin, tell them about Patreon and, and the money zone, okay? Tell them what I'm, I'm dealing with for, for our loyal loyalist fans. All right, folks, we're going to take you to the money zone here. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash SeahawksNest where you can support us at various different levels. Um, you can give us a buck. You can give us uh, three bucks. Uh, th- these are themed levels of support. You can give us four bucks. <laughs> you can even give us five bucks. Sorry. <laughs> Buck us, won't you? Buck um, us, won't you? But uh, this is your chance to give us those upgrades for podcast equipment. We want to do more giveaways. Um, we were able to buy a new mixer. You might notice how the sounds are a lot more even. Nathan no longer has to deep throat his microphone. He is much more comfortable, especially during cold and flu season. That's a good thing. Uh, we are looking at other upgrades to our equipment. We're looking at um, some opportunities for contests and promotionals and that's what this money goes to uh we are all working men we uh we are all fully employed individuals it's true this is not where we get our finances from this is something that we do because you know we're going to talk seahawks anyway and we want to put that out there and enjoy it with you our loving community and so if you can find it in your hearts find it in your find it in your checkbook to sign up for a monthly donation. That's greatly appreciated. But if you can't, you know, holiday season's coming up. It's, it's hard times, baby. And maybe you can't find those find those dollar bills. You know, you can give us a five-star review on whatever service you listen to podcasts on. Well, preferably iTunes because it helps us the most. Preferably iTunes because that's where everything comes from. So it'd be like if you can give one directly on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, if you can... Tweet to us. Follow us on Twitter. If you can follow us on Facebook, we are The Seahawks Nest on Facebook. We are Seahawks Nest on Twitter. And interact. Be a part of the community. You know, share the love. All right. Well Um, said, Kevin. Well said. Nice job. Way to to go, Kevin. So, um, filibustered for me. But I I had an idea. (laughs) I had an idea. Um, Did we do Wonder Woman yet? I don't believe we did. (sighs) All right. Maybe. So, let's do this. Uh, we're gonna, in honor of the Justice League movie releasing this Friday, only in in every theater on Earth near you. Uh, <laughs> seriously, um, Justice releasing League, on to Earth. <laughs> Justice League comes out in f- over four thousand theaters this week. Uh, it should make uh, Texas with a dollar sign next to it money. Uh, the, the Rotten Tomatoes has delayed the review tomato meter, so I can't tell you the Rotten Tomatoes percent. But the last Justice League, uh, the last Justice League themed movie to come out was. Wonder Woman. Uh, Wonder Woman was met with rave reviews. I think it was kind of the the Wonder Woman movie everyone was hoping for more than anything else. Uh, so what do you what do you got? What let's start with Kevin. Kevin, what did you? Okay, you liked Wonder Woman. Let's just start with this. Did you guys like Wonder Woman? Let's start with that. Did you guys? Yes, like I Wonder found Woman? it. Enjoyable. Of course, absolutely. Okay, what did you? What was it about Wonder Woman that you guys found so? I found that movie to be very refreshing. For a superhero movie, because I've kind of 
I think the genre has kind of dragged a little bit. The Marvel movies are getting a little formulaic, although Thor did break them. The new Thor did break the mold a little bit. Big and fan. the DC movies have been so grim and kind of unappealing. What was it about Wonder Woman that was kind of so refreshing, to, that brought something so refreshing to the superhero genre? Uh, I will say, first thing for me was, it wasn't a Zack Snyder CGI, CGI love fest. Um, and that's a big bonus to me. Uh, this was a movie that did require acting. And uh, the acting is what carried the best parts of the movie. I thought that Chris Pine was good. And Robin Wright was quite good. And Gal Gadot was excellent. That was an excellent casting. I think it was one that not everyone was sure about. But she stepped into the role and really did a wonderful job in all the areas that you have to be Wonder Woman, both in the moments where she was being a superhero, but also um, in the other interactions. I thought that the acting carried this movie well. It was also an origin story that I wanted to hear. It wasn't Batman's parents dying for the thousandth time. It wasn't, you know, Superman being rejected, even though he's absolutely perfect for the thousandth time. This was a story that I have not heard over and over again. It was one that I enjoyed hearing. You stole my Batman take. If I have to see Batman's parents die on screen one more goddamn time. You say that every year. <laughs> just gets, I'm so done. I claim that this hot take cannot be said enough times, though. We, we they need know. to get the hint. We know Batman's parents are dead. His parents can die in a cutscene. We're all fine with it. Yeah, it's like, I don't need to see it again. All right, so... um. Eric, how about how about you? What how do you feel about Wonder Woman? Uh, what did I love about Wonder Woman? Uh, your original question: Why did we like it so much? Yeah, what was so great about it? What was it? Why was it a breath of fresh air for an overdue property like Wonder Woman to hit the big screen? Uh, you can before this, you can go back to something like uh, I don't know the Tim Burton Batman movie, where uh, Superman was like the only comic book movie that had any success that you'd seen before that, and uh, such a big hero as Batman was on the screen. Uh, the the holy trinity of uh, DC comic characters is Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. So you have Superman in the early 80s. You have Batman in the uh, 89, early 90s. And then also he had a, like, Batman had a huge resurgence. Yeah, and then, of course, Batman had this huge run. But Wonder Woman was nowhere to be found. One of my good friends, uh, when Guardians of the Galaxy was being made, sent me a gif that was like, hey, DC, you can't make a Wonder Woman movie, but Marvel's going to make a movie about a talking raccoon. Yeah. And that's that's a fact. And let's let's say Guardians of the Galaxy is fine, but Wonder Woman never got this respect. Joss Whedon, uh, the the holy uh, nerd writer who writes women characters so well, took a stab at Wonder Woman, and he could not get that off the ground. His treatment for Wonder Woman was uh, put a dollar in a square, square jar. Fucking awful. If you want to track that down, don't. It's awful. He stripped Wonder Woman of everything wonderful about her. So this movie, for it to come out, uh, and for her to be in costume, to look like the Wonder Woman we know and love, to be respectful and treated like the badass she is, the loyal, beautiful, wise, strong, powerful character she is, and also to not screw up her origin story. They kept to the origin story, like molded out of clay and given life by Zeus. They made that a movie. It yep. was awesome. My only gripe about this movie was probably the choice for the the actor who to play the main villain. And beyond that, though, I mean, that's how great this movie is, is that covered that up. 
Yeah, and, and how do you feel about that world building aspect? Like you, you kind of hit it there. Yeah, I think the world building was excellent. What do you like so much about the world building? That they they left Paradise Island in Themyscira, whatever you want to call it, uh, the Amazonian uh, island of uh, the island of Amazons. And they it, they and left kinda, that in, and it kind of explains why why Wonder Woman is the way she is, right? Yes, but in the world building is perfect because it basically had it happen in World War Two, World War One, World War Two, uh, World War One, right? And it's yes, it, it's like you couldn't, you know, you can't be in this world, and it, you know, of course she has to go into the world. But it was all believable, and it was wonderful. It was great, and I'm sorry to say the word wonderful, but it's just how I feel. It was well, great. And what's the trick that we always talk about in a movie? Don't beat us to death with the world. Yeah. Let us experience the world. And this movie did a good job of that. You experienced the world. And you saw both sides of the world. You saw the real world, the superhero world with the Amazons. Uh, you got to, the the characterization of everyone in this movie was either amazing, like Wonder Woman, or it was perfect for the villains. I like the little commandos foray they did. Yeah. Uh, Chris Pine's character and the, the people that he was working with. And again, those were characters they took a few seconds on. But it gave them just enough depth where there was an attachment to those characters. Also, if you want to go super nerdy, they took characters from early Wonder Woman comics. And I'm not talking like back in the 70s. I'm talking from the 1940s. Like the origins of Wonder Woman. Dr. Poison is in this movie. Mm-hmm. And they good, up, good villain too. And they in Doctor in the old comics, Doctor Poison wore like this mask and this puffy green suit. So what did they make her wear in this movie? Green clothing, green jackets that still hugged to her character, and a mask over her face. It was awesome. Uh, they also had yeah she she looked she looked badass yeah like, and she was pers- she I don't was know a the fully name. viable villain yeah she was sinister like yeah she was and very she, sinister. she was just acted so well and uh, you it, it mixed the perfect blend of like evil and pity all at the same time and the the characters the army uh, the the renegades if you want to call them for you know Chris Pine's crew in the movie mm-hmm. those guys were taken from the comic. Uh, there's a lot of old school callbacks in this, and it was, I don't know, it was pretty cool. For them to stay really true to the comic and still make a great movie. Oh, and guess what? F- just funny enough. Not super funny, not Thor funny, just funny enough. Perfect movie for me. I loved it. Uh, just really quickly, because I know Nate has some has quite a few things to say about this too, but I, I am not a person who read those comics. I'm a person who casually watched the uh, the 70s TV show. I'm a person who enjoyed uh, the cartoon character in the Justice League um, that followed up uh, the very successful Batman animated series. Um, but that's most of my exposure to that character, and I was still able to enjoy these things in a different way, but to the same level that you were. And I think that speaks to how well-crafted the movie was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Gal Gadot's awesome. Like, I... I I just can't stress that enough. If I had anything to to say about it, it's just that Gal Gadot killed it in this role. She's like, um, she's like distractingly good looking, but still looks like she could beat the shit out of someone. Like she, it's not like unrealistically, you know. Like I don't know. There are some people I think that might have. They don't look like they could actually beat someone up. Does that make sense? No, it does. There's people in these movies all the time, like like the Flash. The Flash looks like he's ten. Like I, I <laughs> you know what I mean? Like and it, that stuff kind of bothers me a little bit. She look. She looks like she could. She could. Uh, she could beat some people up, and she did an awesome job. Like I was very. Well, very, and she flexed uh, some solid excited. acting chops. 
Like, like she was not just a pretty face. Hey, man. I mean, this is my second favorite Gal Gadot movie. So, <laughs> Fast Five for life. Um, so, uh, yeah, Wonder Woman two is uh is coming. Uh, it's it's gonna come out in like 2019 or something. Yeah, same uh, director they, though. They, it's the next DC movie you can look forward to. Yeah, I think they 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 hammered out that November time slot that the DC Cinematic Universe likes to take. They they uh they planted their flag on early November. Uh. I I don't know. This just looks good. Uh, probably this is this is after Zack Snyder's era, right? They're they're moving the keys to the DC Cinematic Universe Kingdom elsewhere. Correct. There is uh there is rumors that they're kind of going to possibly maybe not reboot the universe, but just lay off certain characters. Uh, I guess Superman is supposedly being redefined in this Justice League movie. Well, I mean, uh, a this... lot of a lot of people, a lot of critics have had it with Fat Ben Affleck Batman, a uh, choice that I was never super stoked on. The costume that he wears is the best Batman costume I've ever seen, but any performance of him I've seen as Batman is awful. I don't I don't like his confused Batman face. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah, I think they're they're shying away from like. Uh overly connecting the universe does that make sense yeah like, and there's there's a rumor that justice league 2 if it happens is going to be a ways out like like 2022 or something yeah dc like has said kind of like you know uh, we're not really going to worry about it uh yeah because they got an aquaman movie coming out james wan is directing james wan is awesome so i'm excited about that uh that comes out next december then they have a shazam movie that david f sandberg is making uh, one thing I like about Jay- them using, really them using James Wan and David S. Sandberg is like it's like they're like yeah let's use these horror these horror guys that are really kick butt like the, David F. Sandberg has Lights Out and Annabelle Creation are both excellent horror films so I'm I'm pretty excited to see what he can do with Shazam and The Rock I cannot wait that's one um, of my favorite characters of all and time and then uh, Wonder Woman two is the next movie and then they have, they have a cyborg movie kind of in pre production and a Green Lantern Corp movie in pre production so or in development so. Yeah, I would love a good Green Lantern Corps movie because I think that the I, the there, concept behind it is really good. Yeah, there's a there's a Black uh, Adam movie that they're they're working on too, but they don't really have like they just basically said like we don't know how to put the Rock in Shazam as Black Adam and not make him like the main character, so we're just gonna give him his own movie and he's just like barely gonna be in this Shazam movie. I think that's a good choice. Interesting. It's a, I I feel like it's smart because yeah, like, I'm gonna just say this. It's a shame that. DC, uh, I'm sorry, Disney didn't buy Warner Brothers in DC because I always thought Shazam would make the perfect, would be the best thing as a Pixar movie. That would be so cool. Are you kidding me? It would be awesome. It's <clears throat> For those that don't know, Shazam, or as he was known before uh, DC gave up on it, Captain Marvel, uh, it's this kid. It's like a 12-year-old kid, and he says this wizard's name, Shazam, and a lightning bolt comes down and turns him into this superhero. However, it's a line for big. It, it really is. But he gets, the, but he gets like the the wisdom of Solomon. The yes, strength the strength of, of Hercules, Hercules, the stamina of Atlas. It's so cool. It's so the cheesy. power of Zeus, the speed of Mercury. However, Wait, uh, what, what does he get from Achilles? Uh, the the heel, the heel, the, just the everything heel. but the heel, <laughs> everything but the heel of Achilles. Uh, but he, uh, here's the thing: he still is a little. He's still that twelve year old kid. So. Like when he when he rescues someone, he puts his hands on his hips and smiles because he's like, "Yeah, look at me, I'm wearing this dope suit," and that's <laughs> it's just this childlike wonder of. And he does you know, dumb stuff too. Like he'll just like throw stuff around. Like he he's kind of a and when, he's, a, he's a large child. When he sees you know when he sees death, like you know giant robots are attacking the city and people are dying, he starts crying. You know, oh. this grown man is like crying, and then he gets mad and hits the robots, and that's 
that is everything Eric Ronnebeck is <laughs> as a superhero. That is just like <laughs> who it's either that or the Hulk. It's just that is me as a person. If you want to see Eric Ronnebeck fight, uh, tune in this holiday season to the Christmas story. When uh, when he tackles the bully, that's Eric Ronnebeck in a fight. Just, <laughs> what are you making yeah. me do? Courage, courage of Achilles. That's what it was. Okay, um, so and not the heel. The other thing I like to say since you brought up Pixar, um, the best Fantastic Four movie was made by Pixar. And the Incredibles. Um, the Incredibles was the best Fantastic Four movie. I've told you this, but I'll say it on the air. Little known fact: uh, the makers of the Fantastic Four movie were shooting. And they went to see The Incredibles, and they said, ah, shit, they took our ending. And they had to rewrite the ending to Fantastic Four. Guess what they shouldn't have done? Make a Fantastic Four movie? (laughs) Rewrite the ending. Uh, Uh, They they absolutely should just shoot a live-action version and call it Fantastic Four. It'd be better than any of the crap they've come out with. No kidding. I feel like they're the Fantastic Four has good characters. Like, There's no reason they can't make a good Fantastic Four movie. They just choose to make crappy ones. There's a very... Marvel is within months of reacquiring the rights to Fantastic Four. And I would say uh, you will probably see it when Disney launches their... Uh... Do you think they'll be in uh, in like Age of Ultron 2? No, I think they're going to... Maybe, maybe, but I think they're going to... They'll gonna... make an appearance in Civil I War wouldn't, I would not be surprised if they launched on the new Disney streaming network. Because, you know, all, everything that's on Ooh. Netflix... That would be good. I mean, let's face it. That's where all the good stuff is. Punisher, hitting this Friday. Okay. All right. So for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronenbeck, I'm Nathan Santo, and we'll see you next week. Go Hawks! No, no, no.